The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. At that time, Pharisees came up and, in order to test Jesus, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to put her away. But Jesus said to them, For your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter, and he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands upon them. The Gospel of the Lord. It is truly wonderful to see so many of you back. Welcome. It's such a joy. Woman is made from man's side. Divorce and remarriage following divorce is against God's plan. Verboten. Could we bring more contentious issues together in a set of Sunday readings? Pity us who need to make sense of them. The more common tack or approach for most reflecting or preaching on these more difficult of Jesus' teachings is to look for something else to focus on in the readings or to look for a general theme in the church's year. But we also know that generally when something challenges us or shocks us, that we are invited to pay attention to something in ourselves that is closed off or needs to be given closer attention, to be read more closely. Because we know also that in the scriptures, perhaps especially, as in life, Seldom are things to be taken at face value. There is deeper meaning. The reading from Genesis is perhaps a slightly easier one to tackle. So let's begin there. Today we are presented with an alternative myth of creation from the usual account, where Jesus creates the universe and all living creatures over the period of the week and each remarks, 
each day remarks how good it all is before taking rest on the seventh day. That's the usual account we get. Indeed, God saw what he had made and God said that it is good. Instead, today we are told that God created a man, not Adam, we're not given a name, and then one by one God brought every beast of the field and bird of the air to man so that he could name them, but also so that man should not be alone. But man, surrounded by every living cattle, bird, and beast, was still lonely. And we're told he needed a helper fit for him. So God, lulling man to sleep, removed one of man's ribs and fashioned woman, making her bones of man's bones and flesh of man's flesh. Too often we read into this myth of creation the superiority of the male species and the resultant inequality between woman and man. But if we read closely and open ourselves to what is there beyond the shock horror, we can read something quite beautiful in all of this. Firstly, that man was incomplete, unable to live on his own, quite helpless, in fact. He needed a helper. Of course, we don't know whether the same would have been said had woman been created first. But we also learn that not any living creature could satisfy man's loneliness. Only another human species, made bone from bone and flesh from flesh. In other words, not distinguished from man. The expression bone from bone and flesh from flesh is peculiar in biblical Hebrew, in that bone speaks to strength and flesh to vulnerability. Woman is not only made of the same physical material as man, but of the same psychological and spiritual stuff, equal in all respects. The fact that God fashioned woman from man's rib is also interesting. And that rib could also be translated as side, from man's side. God could have chosen any body part. Instead, he chose a bone from man's side, not top or bottom. Some translators argue that this is significant and that it points to a mutual relationship between the sexes, as without a rib, we are physiologically imbalanced, out of kilter. Again, one necessarily requires the other as a counterbalance. You may think this is simple verbal gymnastics, but a deeper consideration of the gospel might convince us otherwise. Whenever we hear about the Pharisees, the arbiters of Jewish law, we know that trouble is near, that the gauntlet is being laid down for Jesus, and we hear it in the gospel. A test is at hand. And not only whether Jesus is on the right side of Jewish law or agrees with Jewish law, but also, and we seldom get this, 
also of which Jewish law? In other words, the challenges of the Pharisees are not only to show Jesus' unorthodoxy. On some level, it appears that the Pharisees accepted that Jesus had something to teach. And so they used him to settle disputes among themselves too about which of the Jewish law, which interpretation of the Jewish law, is accurate. There were different streams of interpretation among the Pharisees, and they wanted to use Jesus' expertise to work out which one was right about divorce. The two main streams are known as Hillel and Shammai. Most Jews in Jesus' time took divorce for granted. The great teachers debated the grounds for divorce, and in particular, the meaning of these words, Erwat Dabar. According to Jewish teachings, the Mishnah, the school of Shammai gave a strict interpretation to sexual mis- to, to uh, Erwat Dabar as sexual misconduct on the woman's part. Whereas the school of Hillel said that even if she spoiled a dish for him, and then Rabbi Akiba, another one, said, even if he found another more beautiful than she is, was guilty of Owat Daba. So more than a question about divorce, this is a question about whose interpretation is correct. And really, you may not be surprised to hear that it's a question over a husband's authority over his wife. That's really what Jesus is defeating when he talks about the reality of marriage as being one flesh, where man is wedded to woman as much as a woman is wedded to her husband. And so we hear this in what he says to his disciples. Both are capable of committing adultery. For the Jews, only the man committed adultery. The woman didn't really have a voice, didn't really have a say. For Jesus, both have responsibility and freedom in that relationship. And that's the focus. So Jesus points them away from divorce to the original intention or purpose, which is love, union ordained by God. And he remits to the Genesis account, the disciples are concerned with keeping, the disciples and the Pharisees rather, are concerned with keeping laws. Jesus is concerned with God's plan and ideal, the vision, not with how we punish and discipline those who have strayed. And so it's interesting that immediately following this altercation between Jesus and the Pharisees, and then again Jesus and the disciples, we have yet another disagreement between Jesus and the disciples, who turn children away from Jesus. They still don't get what Jesus is about, that no one is left out and there is always a return and an open embrace. It is interesting that 
we get a scene of women followed by a scene with children. And we know that in the gospel and in the scriptures, whenever we see those, we're getting a very concrete picture of a teaching that is directed at those who are vulnerable. It's not simply children per se. It is those who are vulnerable, those who are excluded, those who do not have voice, those who are powerless, those whose opinion was simply not considered. And so Jesus' teaching today is saying, actually, both women and man have a voice in this. He takes children as women seriously as human persons. He calls attention to the wisdom they display. And he seals this, we see at the end, in a genuine affection with a blessing and an embrace. And so it's not that we don't go wrong. It's that there is an original ideal, a vision, a plan, God's delight. And that's what God wants to focus on. But even when we lose our way, when we succumb to our vulnerabilities, there is still an, a warm and open embrace. Regardless of who we are, regardless of what we've done, regardless of the situation of our relationships, there is always a warm and open embrace. So maybe let's hear that today for ourselves, knowing that in our congregation, we have people who are in relationships that others may look down upon, whether it's a situation of divorce, whether it's remarried, whether it's same-sex couples. Whatever it is, there is always, always a warm and open embrace.